What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. And for the first time in six months, the Grizzlies win. Hasn't been that long, <laughs> but it has certainly felt like it. They improved to four and thirteen on the season. Flowers beginning of the show. Taylor Jenkins has been changing the starting lineup more than he ever had has in his career. Some of that is out of necessity because of injuries and guys being out. But outside of that, I, I, I didn't look it up. I probably should have. I had some time here before we started recording to see how many starting lineups they have played this year. But I'm glad that he's trying things. Tonight, it worked out. Who knew that uh, starting David Roddy alongside Derrick Rose would lead to David Roddy turning into prime Ray Allen? Um, I didn't know that was going to happen. Didn't have that on my scorecard. But after seeing him struggle so much early in the year, it's good to see some life from him. Um, I, I'm not going to get on here and, and say he's the, the – answer to anything it's one game i'm happy that they won obviously because it's been really rough to get on here and talk about grizzlies basketball because it's been so hard to watch candace you were not with us on the last show so i'm gonna throw it to you first what'd you like or dislike about tonight obviously the win's huge right oh yeah of course of course but it just just the urgency and energy today uh especially compared to the last game, which was just the absolute definition of going through the motions, um, you really just saw them come out with some fight, with some heart, with uh, you know, fast break points. I I forgot what those were. I think there was a fast break dunk in the building. I don't know when the last time that's happened in Vegas form since John Moran probably did it in the playoffs. Um, more than likely because it just hadn't been there. Um, so I think they got a Jaren going early um in the post I think that was good um sort of got him in rhythm and they were able to to really win in a game where Desmond Bain did not play very well and so kudos to the the teammates around him and we've got what one two three four five six seven guys who scored in double digits so just the effort was there all around a really well-balanced game this wasn't a game where you know two people had to carry namely being Jaron and uh, Bane having to carry. This wasn't that game. They really did get the support from others. And I like seeing um, Rose start, to be honest, in terms of they their, real, their best offensive minutes were with him on the floor. Um, he was able to sort of set the table up for everybody. And tonight the shots went down. So while I don't know if you always get that kind of production from Derrick Rose starting, um, he still did only play 26 minutes, which you like. They didn't overuse him. Um, so hopefully he still got something to tank for the next game. But overall, I liked and agreed with most of the decisions um, rotation-wise, at least in terms of the people who played. Like, I think they played the right guys. Uh, I, I love seeing Noel get me. He didn't do anything offensively, but I just like what he does defensively for this team. And, um, you know, Vince Williams Jr. getting a, getting way more run. Um Talk to Aldama, uh, Zaire Williams, of course, that uh, you liked the length that they had on the wing, which is something that you can hardly ever say about this team. So um, by kind of subbing out Noel for John Contra, that's what you got. And um, I liked it. And we'll see, you know, if there can be more dividends offensively from that. But uh, I, I was I was I was on board with the game plan. So shout out to Jenkins for that. I, I'll say this and then Isaac, I'll toss it to you. 
if Noel is not going to bring anything on the offensive end of the floor, uh, once this hardship thing is done, I'm not interested in keeping him on the roster. I know that gives you length, which you need, but they they need offense. This team's offense has been anemic all year long, and you need guys coming off of the bench that are going to give you some offense. And he he didn't have that in Minnesota. I don't know that there's anything that he's going to be able to do to actually bring that night in and night out for this team. Well, if he's replacing Conchar, who cares? Because he wouldn't give you offensive production anyway. Yeah, um, I, I don't want to take too much out of this game. Um, but, yeah. I mean, this is game number 17, and we've been, only been able to come over here and talk about a win. This is only the fourth time. Um, and it's their first home win of the season. And at this point, I mean, any win feels good. It's just good to see those guys come out with some energy and see some balls go through the basket to have some success. Um, they look like they were having fun out there again tonight, and that's something that we didn't, we haven't seen. Like last game, it just the body language is off. You have guys hanging their heads. It's just good to see those guys come out there, play well. Really, really good team basketball tonight. Uh, really, really good ball movement um, all night. I mean, you got Derrick Rose with the start, and like you said, I, I don't know if you can count on this from Derrick Rose all the time because as me and David talked about on the last episode, you you just don't know when he's going to be healthy. But when he's out there playing, he's healthy. He's super productive. I, I mean, that mid-range jump shot is money. And the way he was out there setting the table tonight for guys, man, so just some great passes uh, for, for him out there tonight. A fantastic game. I love he, – he doesn't have that athleticism that he once has, but he's still super smart, super high IQ, makes the right play, still has that burst at times. He can get by guys and get to the basket. Um, you saw that tonight, 14 points for him. Um, and they were able to do this in a game where, as Candace said, Dave, Desmond Bain struggled. I, I still don't think he's 100%. I think you could see it. He said it, I think, after the Phoenix game. Uh, but he's not a guy that's going to make any excuses. And still, when you, you were talking about a guy that's, that's not playing well, still had 17.7 rebounds, nine assists, um, and three three steals uh, for, for a guy. Talking about a guy that's not playing well. But we he's just been on such a high level. Just even, even that's kind of a, a downgrade of what we've been getting from him. Uh, but shout-out to David Roddy. Uh, it was inserted to the starting lineup tonight. Uh, me and David were talking about that for the game, and I was like, man, I would have rather seen him go with Aldama uh, there because we have seen Aldama at that small forward. That's been kind of a question, and, and when the first time that he did it this season, had Sonny had his best game of the year. Uh, so he's shown that he can play that at times, but, man, David Roddy came out and, and had one of the best games, we've, career high, uh, so I guess the best game that we've ever seen from him tonight. So big stuff. From him tonight, I think he was instrumental instrumental in his win. Jared Jackson Jr., returning to Block Panther. Man, six blocks out there tonight. And one thing that I really like from him, he was going to the right hand tonight. Um, you saw a lot of a lot of times Jared goes into the paint and he you'll see him make these moves. He'll go towards the defense. Tonight he was spinning away from the defense and really finishing at the basket. Uh really like that. Um Zaya Williams, some great minutes off the bench, man. Shot the basketball three of three from three. Uh, plus eight, 28 minutes, also had eight rebounds. He had a stretch where he had that steal, uh, caught the lob, and then came back down and hit a corner three. Uh, but on the last episode, me and David were talking about Zaire Williams and what kind of what your thoughts of him are now. Like, what can he be going forward? And I was like, man, he just needs to be a guy that can get in the passing lanes, run the lanes and finish, and knock down a corner three. And he did that in three possessions in a row. Uh, so that was kind of the epitome of what you want to see from Zaire Williams uh, as a basketball player, Vince Williams Jr. getting minutes, three points, eight rebounds, two steals, 
I mean, one steal, two assists. Uh, we know what he can do on the defensive end. That's what I love from him. That's why I think he's the, the best fit of kind of these young wings long-term for this team going forward. It would know well. I, I'm just glad to see Taylor Jenkins giving him an opportunity. He really struggled on the offensive end tonight, but I like I like him and Vince Williams doing the pairing defensively. And as Candace said, man, if, if you could get him to replace Contra, I'm not really concerned about his offense. I, I like what he can do defensively. I like his size. He's strong. Um, and I'm just glad that Taylor Jenkins kind of realized early on this guy is probably better than some of the guys that we've been running out there, so I'm going to play him. Usually with this organization, guys in his position on 10-day contract, they're not going to get any meaningful playing time. But Taylor Jenkins threw him out there. He was the first guy off the bench, I think, last game. Uh, so that's just good to see. It is just good to see, man. I, I said earlier in the game, man, those streamers might be dusty, uh, but they're coming down tonight, man. And they they came out and got that W. It, it is just good to see whether what this means going forward. I don't think it means a lot. I think they're still going to struggle against some of these better teams, but they were playing against a, a team that's 6-11, 6-11, a team that's already got two wins over you. You didn't want to lose to this team third time. They're shorthanded, no Laurie marketing tonight, and they came out and handled business, man. So just just a, a professional win, as I call it. Uh, they needed it. Feel good win after the stuff that happened last game. You had Marcus Smart going off in a huddle, and they they came out and responded, man. And that's that's all you can ask for, man. They got the dub, so we moved. Yeah, and real quick, I just want to mention uh, David Raleigh also had really good defense on Jordan Clarkson, who who shot four of ten. So you like to see that effort. Um, so just shout out to him. Shout out to him for that for sure. Sorry about that, guys. Got uh, pulling the curtain back a little bit. I got a work call right in the middle of that, so I I miss a little bit of what Isaac said there. But uh, I got you. Yeah, man, yeah, we, we were just talking about just, just. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to talk. Um, we, we've been more, it's been way more down this year than, than up from this team. And the things that you saw from them tonight, this is kind of, this is what I expected from this team, the, the type of basketball that they played tonight. Now, the, the injuries, you're looking at, you know, Walker Kessler played unbelievable last season. He's been struggling this year. He's coming off of the bench. He still played 27 minutes, but kind of lost his starting role. I don't know if that's going to be a permanent thing for him. You're missing your best player in Larry Markin. And, but getting up and down the floor, scoring in the paint, playing good defense, those are the things that heading into the season I expected the Grizzlies to do. We saw that tonight, and and it's crazy. What happened? What had to happen for them to do this? Was it the rant? Was it Marcus Smart blowing up on everybody on the sideline? Is that really what it took? And if that's what it takes, that's great. I hope that's a shifting point for this team, and we see over these next eight games before John Morant comes back that we see them playing with energy, with purpose, I, I I saw somebody say Taylor Jenkins was being a little more aggressive in his coaching style and like building guys up and talking and you know just kind of giving some positive reinforcement to these guys. I hate that you have to do that because they're grown men getting paid a lot of money to go out there and play the game, but you're a coach, you've got to adapt. If your team is not playing at the level that they should be playing at. It's your responsibility to go out there and find a way to get them to go. 
And some of that was him tonight, but I wonder how much of it really was Marcus Smart and that rant on the sideline from a couple nights ago. Yeah, I, I think for sure it's valid with your young players, uh, David Roddy, Isaiah Williams, who really they weren't putting in that much effort last game. I mean, they were some of the worst-looking guys getting minutes. And Marcus was right in front of them. He was talking to me to the team, but he was talking at them. And so I think for the young guys, especially, does it does it move Jaron or Bain as much? You know, debatable. But for Roddy and for Zaire, who stepped up and had big games, I think it's absolutely fair to say that that had an impact. Um, I also just feel like, as a side note, the new strategy should just be find a different small forward because it seems like whoever starts for the first time gets the uh, hot hand and career high. So that's a strategy that Taylor Jenkins can employ to just keep subbing guys in, and apparently they'll have career highs. We'll try that. Yeah, I was going to say, and there's also a word that they had a players-only practice. Like, I've heard of players-only meetings, but they said they had a players-only practice, that the coaches just mm-hmm. kind of let them – go out there and, and police each other in practice and kind of run the practice themselves. Um, and you have that on top of the Marcus Smart rant. I definitely think it had an impact. It, it, and that's my thing. When I've talked a lot about Taylor Jenkins and his shortcomings as a coach and people like, oh, well, you got that many players out, you're going to lose games. Of course, you're going to struggle when you have that many injuries. But it, it's more so not so just talking about losing. It's how they lose games. It, it's what they look like in those games is what the rotations have looked like in those games is what the body language, what the room, what the, the energy has been like in those games. And it hasn't always been there tonight. It was that's, and that's the thing. Why isn't this always the case? Like it's one thing to, to lose the game when you, you're, you're playing hard, you, you playing, you have energy, just like the, the Boston Celtics lost. Like I can deal with those, but games like the last game where you just get blown off the floor, you have no energy the guys, look like they'd rather be anywhere but there. And you see anybody that knows basketball, you can watch games. And even in wins, you can see different missteps by the coaches, things that they do rotation-wise, things, times where they should have called timeouts, things they should have done here. And you can see those missteps by Taylor Jenkins, win or lose. And that's even – this stuff was going on even when they were winning 50-plus games and they were in the two-seed. It was just masked yep. by – them be able to still win and find, find ways to win games, even though there were a lot of missteps in between. So this is not new. Like, and it it pisses me off so much. Like when you have criticism of Taylor Jenkins, people are like, oh, it's it's just the injuries. Like if they didn't have these injuries, they've been won fifty plus games, been the two seed for the last two years. But what has that gotten them? Yeah, they've right. been the two seed. They've won fifty games, but what do they have to show for that? Like you go back to that Minnesota series, and they probably should have lost that series. They were the two seed. Minnesota was the seventh seed. If Chris Finch wasn't even more incompetent than Taylor Jenkins was at times in that series, they probably lose that series. There was just a couple of miraculous comebacks. John Morant just being otherworldly down the stretch and them they finding ways to pull out games. Minnesota probably outplayed them in that series. So they have had a lot of success, but my thing is if, if you're just trying to make the playoffs, you want regular season wins, you you want to win 50 games, Taylor Jenkins can get you there. My question with Taylor Jenkins is, is he the guy to get him to the promise, promised land? And I don't think the answer to that question is no. And that's not, not to get off topic here. But good, good stuff from him tonight, man. I like the fact that he 
switches up the starting lineup. I, I think a lot of it is just out of due out of to necessity. Like they just don't have the body, so he's got to force do these things, but he's still doing them. So I'm gonna give him credit for that tonight. David inserted David right into the starting lineup and it paid off. Uh career high for him. Uh big night, like I said, man. It, and he was instrumental in getting his win tonight. But as far as the Taylor Jenkins stuff, man, people need to stop get go deeper than the surface. Like people look at everything on the surface. Like team is injured, that's why they're losing. Like they can't see past the fact that this stuff has been going on for years now. Like this this stuff is not new. It just doesn't look it's just more magnified now because they have the injuries. I was saying the same thing last year and two two years ago that these shortcomings from Taylor Jenkins were there. Like people see it, the rotation stuff, the the not making adjustments, the he's bad out of timeouts, he's bad at line, last second plays. It's just go basically go get a bucket job when he has John Moran available. We a lot of people have seen this stuff, and a, and a lot of people want to pretend like there are no issues outside of injuries. Of course, the injuries are terrible. Maybe if they had the guys, I'm not saying they'd have that 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 they would have so many more wins right now if it wasn't for Taylor Jenkins. But I, I just feel like a lot of times during this stretch, there have been things that are going on. You can see more effort, more energy, better better schemes, better defensive schemes. They even they, and it might not lead to wins. Maybe they still go on and lose those games. But anybody that's watching this game through a basketball, real basketball lens can see at times that there's just been stuff that's not right from, from coaching, from, from the players. It, it's more than the injuries. I do believe that this team still can make the play in when John Moran comes back. But, again, man, long term, that's my thing with Taylor Jenkins that I hate to go off on his rant is off the subject. But long term, I just don't know if he's the guy to get you all the way there. Five uh, of the 13 losses that they've had this year were against teams that have had inferior rosters, even with the people that are missing. And that's just inexcusable to me. Like, I'm not – I'm not going to go. I've, I have been on record on multiple occasions of what I think about Taylor Jenkins and what he is as a coach. So I won't go off on a rant. I was going to say they've but, lost to the jazz twice. They lost to Portland. They've lost to yeah. Washington. Those are, those aren't games that you should be, even in the state they're in now, people are like, Oh, well, all their players you still are, have you still got Desmond Bain and Jerry Jackson jr. Yeah. And, they were, and they were losing than games. a lot of guys. They were losing games with Luke Kennard, with Marcus. Spahr, yeah, exactly. Like they were losing games when they're losing they them bad guys. Like they were yeah. getting blown out. They weren't just losing them. They were right. getting blown out. Right. When so. they had guys. So I, it, it's, it's coaching and it's yes. With, with more talent, would they have more wins? Yeah, maybe a few, but I'd still have a losing record because they lost several games on coaching alone. Like there are specific instances where it's a close game. <laughs> no question about it. At the end. And, and and the other thing that I like to point to, I mean, since we're on the subject, is remember how frustrated everyone was last season because of the fourth quarter disasters and debacles? Everybody mm-hmm. just forgets about that. That was a thing for the whole entirety of the second half. Basically, after the all-star break, they kept losing huge leads kept losing in the fourth quarter because of coaching like and yeah they still ended up you know second seed playoff win whatever but like you said Isaac like it didn't get them anywhere so I mean they won tonight big win but I do know it's been a topic on Twitter so that's why we're talking about it today with the coaching but 
this isn't a if if you're talking to anybody in the Sports Ethos podcast network, we're not talking it just because it's injuries. We've been consistent in this messaging for some time. And I think there's a track record, if you really want to go back and look at it, to point to that. And if nothing else, the most indisputable evidence, like I said, is how poor they played in the fourth quarter with their dudes. I mean, except for Steven Adams. But, I mean, they were they were losing big leagues with Brandon Clark. Like, it's not just the injuries. It's more than that. No, it's de- definitely not. I mean, like I said, that plays a big part. Like, I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend, like, that has yeah. nothing to do with what's going on right now. But – you anybody like I said, people that that know basketball, you can see this stuff. Uh, and, and this is going back, like you said, losing big leads in the fourth quarter last year, uh, not being able to get it done in, in clutch situations. As we've seen the the kind of default go get a bucket job, it worked two years ago, but teams figured that out, and he just last year couldn't find a way to scheme anything different. He still tried to do the same thing, and it just didn't work anymore because teams were expecting that. And it, 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 he just has it. And I said that I tweeted this out earlier this morning. Like a, a head coach is supposed to help in raising the ceiling of your team. I, I just, when I watch Taylor Jenkins and his team, I just don't feel like he does that. I don't feel like he raises the ceiling of this team. And in order to to win a championship, unless you just have the best hands down roster in the league, your coach is going to have to to out coach guys. He's going to have to raise your ceiling. And I just haven't to this date. I haven't seen Taylor Jenkins do that. Yeah, I I think just like full transparency, I, I think I can speak for all of us when I say this. Our expectations with the roster as constructed, we do not expect. I I didn't think in the these twenty five games without John Morant that they would be. I, I thought they could be a 500 basketball team. So I, I don't think any of us have unrealistic expectations of all oh, this team should be 13 and four or 14 and three right now. That's not where we're at. We're saying that there were clearly games that this team could have won and they didn't. And you could talk about the injuries if you want to, but at the end of the day, the, the five losses that I talked about of these 13 there's no other team of those five losses that have two players on their roster that are better than Jaron and Bain. And you can't tell me that the Portland supporting staff is better than what the Grizzlies have healthy when they played them or that the, the Wizards supporting staff is better than what the Grizzlies had whenever they played them. I'm not trying to hear that crap. You will not convince me of it because it's not the truth. I, I don't want to keep we, – we've had plenty of negative podcasts, so I want to get back onto the game here and and talk about something other than the, the negativity because, we like I said, we, we've had plenty of time to talk about that this season. Outside of David Roddy having this monster game, Jaron Jackson played well offensively and defensively. Desmond Bain not being 100% still producing – Almost a triple double. He flirted with it 17, 9, and 7 tonight. Vince Williams has been getting some run. And that's something that we have been kind of campaigning for because when he plays, he plays well defensively. It's one of those, you know, I just said earlier in the show that if Noel's not going to bring anything offensively, I'm not interested because the offense has been so bad. Vince Williams only shot the ball three times and I was one for three, but he, he goes out there, he gets eight rebounds, he gets a steal and he plays great defense. And I, from what I've seen from him, 
I think that he can do that on a night in and night out basis. I think that his shooting is going to be inconsistent early on, but I think that he can play high level defense every night out there on the floor. Candace, do you agree with that or no? hundred percent, hundred percent. I, he just has a, he does the little things that contribute to winning. And that's a hard quality to, to really quantify, but he just, I think he can be a player that if you really give him the run can contribute to winning basketball. Um, Now you do have to put him in lineups that make sense because the offense is going to be, you know, it's going to be up and down, but to be honest, you could say that about almost everyone on the back end of the roster. Everybody that's not a starter and really even some of our starters, you can say that about. So with that being the case, I'm fine with him. I mean, he's taking shots on a low volume. I think even when he's had good games, he's not taking more than a four or five shot attempts. So with that being the case, you don't mind that he's not playing outside of his role or anything. I think he knows what he, he's good at. He knows what he can shine at, and he knows where he can contribute to the team. So I, I'm excited for him to continue to get this run. There will be games where you'll see him get more points. There'll be games where like he might not put up any points, but I just think uh, the deflections, the steals, uh, almost that De'Anthony Melton effect that he can have. Of course, not as good of an offensive contributor as Melton was, but it took a while for Melton to get there. I mean, Melton didn't come in the bat being that guy. Um, and, and even he was when still he was that guy, he still was inconsistent. Too. Yeah, he was still inconsistent even when he was that guy. I was just about to say that. Uh, so you you take what you can get, and, and really, I mean, if there's a guy who you're going to invest minutes in in terms of development like I'm, I'm not really big on development at this point because this is this is the win now team you've made moves to go in to win now but Vince is a guy because of his winning characteristics who you can afford to develop because he'll still contribute to winning and if that's the case to me there's no reason not to put him in yeah man I've I've been an advocate of his from from day one since they drafted him um I and I still feel like he's the best long-term fit on this roster of all the young wings that they're quote-unquote developing. Um, and his, his offense is going to be up and down, but as Candace said, man, pretty much the entire roster outside of kind of Desmond Bain, their offense has been up and down. So I'm not worried about that at all. It's, it's what he does on the defensive end. We, we saw that in the Boston game. I mean, he did a fantastic job on Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown. I mean, there were times where Tatum just gave up. You saw him. He was like, man, I don't even want to deal with this. He got the ball out of his hand or he – forced a, a long, long jump shot, uh fadeaway jump shot. Did they just decide not to even try to go to the basket on him? He he is fantastic. I mean, already, I mean, his defense is there. Uh, there there's no question about that. And I think he has a lot of potential on the offensive end. We've talked about this a lot. David talked about this during the draft process when he at VCU that he was their guy scoring-wise. He averaged over 20 points a game, I think, uh his, his last year there. So he he has the potential on the offensive end as well. So I think of those guys overall, I think he has the, the potential to be that complete three and D player uh that that they're looking for. And I love him, man. He comes in, as Kenny said, he knows his role. He's not gonna go out there and try to do too much. Uh he, he takes wide open jump shots. Uh he gets wide open looks from three, and a lot of time he knocks those down. He also rebounds the basketball, eight rebounds tonight, two assists, uh, a steal. Um, uh, only had three points, but like I said, plus six. In, in 20 minutes, uh, just goes out there. He maximizes his minutes. You're going to get 110%, and he makes winning plays. He's a winning basketball player. 
not going to hurt you going out there doing wild stuff, like I said. So I, I love the fact that Taylor Jenkins is finally giving him his due. I mean, we've talked about this team and how they kind of use politics at times. Certain guys, where they're drafted, whether they're on a guaranteed contract, they might play guys that you seemingly other guys deserve playing time. But I'm just glad to see him get his opportunity because, again, I think if you're going to gonna develop guys, I think he's the one that you should be given that playing time developing too, because I think he's the best fit of those guys long-term for what the way this roster's made up. I think he's the best for long-term for what they need out of those young wings. And, and right now, just to quickly add to that, it's, it's eye test right now. And it's, it's really a small sample size, but when he's been in the game, their three point defense is much better. And it's because of his length and it's because he can stick to his man. And so it leaves less wide. There's there's one less guy on the court sagging off his man. And and that makes a difference in terms of will a team shoot against you on an otherworldly level? Will they historically kill you from three? Or will they just have a good game from three? I mean, how many games can the Grizzlies have win have won if they just had someone have an average to good three-point game against them? But no, the Grizzlies have so bad that they went on, on defense. They they just get these historic performances from dudes. I mean, just having one guy like Vince out there on the court who can who can block with length. And then, like I said, when you add that with Noel's length, I think it helps just sort of even that out so that even on a game where, you know, they lost a three-point battle, they were still able to keep it. Well, well, they blew them out. But in general, you can keep it within range. To keep to have yourself in the game in the end, and and really that's all you can ask for, given the injuries that they have at this point. So let's talk about Aldama. We saw him start four games in a row. He goes twenty eight, eight, twenty one, fourteen, averaging eighteen points a game, six rebounds a game as a starter. Jenkins moves him back to the bench. It leads to a win. He didn't have a terrible game tonight. He didn't shoot the ball that well. But coming off the bench playing 24 and a half minutes, almost 25 minutes, 11 points, four rebounds. What's the best version of Alama? Is it going to be the bench player or is it going to be the guy in the starting lineup? You know, when you're in the starting lineup, you're going to get more attempts. You're, you're going to get more looks. So generally you're going to see those stat lines go up. But if you look Going back to the game against the Lakers, he was coming off the bench in that game. He put up 24 points. Then he followed that up in San Antonio coming off of the bench, and he goes a 17-10 and 10 double-double. We've seen production from him both ways. Isaac, is he going to be a better bench piece, or do you think that as guys get healthy that we may see him go back into the starting lineup and be that guy next to Jaron? Oh, uh, that, that's interesting. I, I, I still think at, at this point in his career, I, I think when this roster is, is full, when they're healthy or as healthy as they're going to get this season, I still think he's best off the bench. But I, I think I, I don't have the same expectations for something that a lot of people do. I know we've seen these monster games from him, and he's he, he can do that. But I, I still think they're going to be swings from him. I, I think you're going to see big-time games, whereas it's off the bench or starting. I think you're going to see bad games whether it's off the bench or start. I, I don't think he's as far along or a player that you should say, okay, well, I expect him to put up 15 points every night. I, I just don't think that's that's him yet. Maybe he does develop in, into that type of player, but I, I think he's still young, and I think he's still trying to figure some things out, and I think it's matchup dependent. 
uh, depending on who he's going up against. If he's going up against a tougher, stronger opponent, he's going to struggle a little bit more, uh, especially when he's trying to do anything inside the arc uh, because he still struggles going up against bigger, stronger guys. I, I just don't think that's something that, that you can expect from him. I, I, it's weird because I think and we saw that the first time he started at small forward this year. I think his game fits the three better, but I think uh, their physical shortcomings that stop him from being able to play that, that position consistently. So it's kind of, he's kind of a tweener. So that's, that's the reason why I think it's always, I, I think he might always be a guy that's inconsistent because is he a three? Is he a four? Who is he going up against that night? I, I just think they're going to be swings from him. There are going to be times where you see him play really well and times where not. And I guess you just have to figure it out when, when, when he's playing really well, man, let him cook and, with a night that he's struggling, man, just just kind of maybe you might have to go away from him at times, especially when when he's hurting you on the defensive end. But I still think when his roster is healthy, healthy, I, I think he's he's probably best suited off the bench. I, I think he's a guy that you would prefer to have in a starting lineup if if they in a perfect world. So that that's kind of my answer. I think he's he's better off the bench, just team structure wise. I think that as he gets stronger that some of the things that, you know, when guys look at Jaron Jackson, when he first came in the league and he was basically just like a pole and now Jaron has been on, you know, he, he's been in the weight room. He's working with the NBA level trainers and you see him adding that muscle Aldama from last year to this year, you see a little bit more muscle on him. He still struggles with those guys, but I think that he ends up getting stronger to where he turns into more of a true four. Uh, is that enough that you can start Jaron at the five and play him at the four? I don't know what we'll see, but I, I don't think that he's ever going to have the lateral quickness to be able to play the three night in and night out. Sorry to go over you there, Candace, but I'll, I'll let you go with that. Yeah, no, you're you're good. Um, so so I don't think Jaren's a five, so I'm not for that anyway. I just I just I'm out on Jaren at the five at long time. I think mean, in closing yeah, lineups, he can, I agree. he can do that in playoff situations. Yeah, he can do that. But do I want Jaren starting at the five night in and night at night out? Absolutely not under no circumstances. So, um, uh, so but I but to answer the question, I'll say this: I agree with with a lot of what Isaac said. Um. But I do think if we're looking at it in terms of the situation right now, I do think he's – I would count on Santi Aldama to give you more production starting more consistently than a David Rodney. So with that in mind, I would lean Santi. Uh, also, I do think it's matchup-based because there are some matchups where I think Roddy is your best guy just because of the physicality part and Roddy can handle that better even if he is a little bit more undersized. But – I think Santi, even with his dips, I think you can still count on him to give you like eight points. Like on a bad night, he'll probably still have six to eight points for the most part, unless he had an abysmal night, which occasionally has, but more often than not, you can count on some production from him on the bench. So his lows aren't as low as, say, a Zaire, for example, who can go from giving you 15 points to giving you literally nothing. Um so because his floor is just a little bit higher, even even compared to the Roddy, for now, yep, I would I would not I would not continue on the Roddy train. Sorry to him 
on though he had a great game tonight. I wouldn't continue with him in that starting lineup. I probably in the next game actually would go ahead and just sub out David for Santi. Um, and when they are healthy, though, I do think that I agree. You do want a guy who can, because I think Santi can cons- pretty consistently give you double digits off the bench. And you want a player like that, or he can at least get you close to double digits. You want a player like that. And I think that's what he can do. I think if you're asking much more, not that he cannot be a starter one day, but given where he is right now in his game, if he gets stronger, is it a different conversation? Maybe, but still sometimes it's about his style more than just his actual strengths. He just has a finesse style about him that I think sometimes to be honest, causes him to be a little bit more offensively inefficient than what it has to be. Like he would just dunk some of those things that he likes to like float up instead. Then he probably <laughs> would be a better scorer overall. Or at least yeah, he like, like a little English on it. <laughs> yeah, he always like likes that English and it takes it, it puts it the chance, man. Like and so there, there are a lot of games where he has bad games that didn't have to be bad games if he would have just like dunked it but anywho man. i digress uh, that's that's pretty much my overall thoughts i was gonna say you you do need some some production off the bench outside of luke Kennard, you, you need another guy that can give you some offense off the bench and he is I, I think he can do that like like candace said i think even baseline i think he's gonna give you six to eight points most nights but i think a lot of people came into the season thinking he's gonna be this 15 and 8 guy every night knock down three or four threes i just don't I don't think he's going to consistently – I don't think you can count on him, I say, consistently to be that. I think that's putting uh, putting too much onus on him at, at this point. Maybe he is that at some point. But I think when this lineup comes back, when everybody comes back, I think it's going to be Josh, Martin, Bain in that starting lineup. And you need offense off the bench, and you expect Luke Kennard to be a guy that can bring that, but you need someone else, and I think he he is that guy. So I think he's best suited off the bench. When, when Candace said that if he would just stuck it, man, my mind goes straight to the Sandler movie, the basketball fan in that movie. And he's like, ah, oh, you got to dunk that shit. You got to dunk that <laughs> And, and that, there's, there's been so many times. Yeah, when he that movie's so good, man. I love that movie. Yeah, but th- there have been so many times I've been frustrated because it's like, why you're seven foot tall? Just dunk it. Why are you not dunking it? Right. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, what, what game? I remember that game. We made the behind the back pass, and it was a turnover. Was that the Boston game? I can't remember. It was a big play late, late in the game, and he had he. I think he had a. He could have laid it up, and he like threw this behind the back pass, like he oh, does yeah. like that yeah. at times, man. That you just don't have to do. Yeah, he killed the momentum of the. I think they were on a run. Yeah. yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. They were on a run, and he made like one of the worst passes I've ever seen in my life. And yeah, yep, yep, well, could have just think, dumped it. Yeah, exactly. I, I think we'll go ahead and wrap it up. We've covered this game again. Final score of the game: one hundred five to ninety-one. Grizzlies improve to four and thirteen on the season. I'm going to try and be Mr. Optimistic, and I I tweeted this out. I was meaning to get it out before the game got distracted a little bit. The year before the Grizzlies drafted John Morant, early in that season, in November, early part of December, the Grizzlies were first in the West. They had uh, 13 wins by December 1st of 2018. They went on to win 20 games for the rest of that season. So I would much rather be in the, the position that they're in right now with the hope that you have all of this talent coming back than to look at the team and be like, oh, okay, they're they're gonna be good. 
and then they fall off the face of the earth at the end of the season. So plenty of basketball left, plenty of time for them to climb back in it. Miami last year showed you don't have to be a top whatever seed to get to the finals. So let's see the Grizzlies do that. Got a lot of work to do between now and then, but we appreciate you guys tuning in. I'm actually, before I do that, I'm going to throw it to you guys. We hadn't been together here for a couple of shows. Do you guys have anything else you want to discuss before we get out of here? No, we'll just see how that plans out. See how this, if they, if they can use any sort of momentum going into this next stretch. It's got a couple of tough games here coming up against Dallas and Phoenix. Uh, will the result to them even being competitive? I hope so. We'll just, let's just hope for competition. <laughs> yeah, just glad, just glad to see that Detroit game added, man. I'll, yeah. I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but no, that's it. That's it for me. Getting stomped by twenty from the Rockets is not the way that uh, that I want to see it go. But anyway, thanks for tuning in, guys. You can get to me on the X app at NBA D Will Two One. The show is at Ethos Grizzlies Candace. Yep, you can find me on Twitter at because still Twitter to me at Candace H nine oh one. Isaac, take us home. Yeah, man, the Grizzlies will be back on, on Friday on the road. Uh, tough one. At Luka Doncic and the, the Dallas Mavericks, 630 tip, so a little bit earlier. Uh, we'll definitely be back with a post game. And, man, on the positive side, man, still only three and a half games out of out of the 10 seed. As bad as this looks, still only three and a half games out. So they're still within reach. You just hope they can find a way to, to get wins. I said like a week ago that – could they find a way to get to seven? I think that's going to be tough. Uh, I think it's my guy, Micah, Michael Harrell, uh, kind of asked the question, what do you think their record is going to be? I mean, I think the next eight games, I said two and six. Um, I saw David say one and seven. We kind of touched on that earlier. I kind of saw that while we were on here. I'm looking at that Detroit game and one of those Houston games. Maybe it, you just hope they can find a way to steal one somewhere. Tough games. You just never know night to night in association. Maybe they won a game they're not supposed to and get those two and get to seven. Uh, but if they get to seven, I think seven and, and, and 18, I think that puts them in a position. They're probably somewhere similar to what they are now, three and a half games out of 10, if they can get to seven wins. So just just hope they, they're not so far down when, when John returns that they can't dig themselves out of the hole. But you can find me on Twitter slash X at Isaac double underscore NBA. As I said, we'll be back on Friday night uh, for a postgame. Hopefully discussing a big upset um, in, in Big D against the Dallas Mavericks. So be on the lookout for that. Stay tapped in with us. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And until Friday, we're gone.